Thank you so much for joining us today. We would love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment and visit NBCOcala.com stories to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to help support the ministry financially, you can give online or through our mobile giving app. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. Help me welcome our internet family, if you would. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Real quick, let me remind you, if you have a smartphone or a tablet, you can go to YouVersion, and then on that front page, go to the bottom right-hand corner, tap on those little three lines, another menu comes up, and then just tap on events. Meadowbrook will come up there, and all the notes and scriptures are right there. Just incredible how we can use technology. So far this morning, I've got to help three people before services to find that. They said, I've been trying, you know, and so, and once you find it, it's just easy to do and a great way you can add your notes to it, keep the notes from today and uh, have them share them and so forth. And uh, it is, it is worth uh, being able to look at and, and to keep. Amen. All right. Well, traps and tricks, everybody say traps and tricks. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph or gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. Yet we have an enemy of our soul. He cannot just overwhelm you. He can't just overcome you. So he has to lay traps and play tricks. And that involves some bit of cooperation on our part for these two really take effect in our life. So we're learning about this because the biggest thing is we must be aware. And if we're aware of this, we can avoid these things. We can overcome these things. And if you're already in one, we're able to escape those things through what God has provided for us. So we've looked at a couple of the areas of traps and tricks. First week, we looked at the issue of proximity or nearness. Last week, we talked about busyness. And uh, you can go back and review those messages. I want to this morning move on and we're going to talk about another super important issue. And you ready for this? It, it will connect with every single one of us. This will, I believe the others have as well, but this in particular will deal with every single one of us. First of all, there are three basic needs of every individual. And we've talked about these through the years and you need to bear this in mind. When all of these are hitting just right, you are at a healthy, strong, joyful place in your life. The three needs, basic needs, every individual has is first of all, I'll put these on the screen for you, intimacy with God. Secondly is intimacy with others. And the thirdly is self-worth. And what we're going to look at today is self-worth. Everybody just say self-worth. All of these were in place at creation. You know, in the original man and woman, Adam and Eve, these things were in place in them. This was part of God's original design, uh, that these would be part of us. And then enter the serpent, the enemy, same enemy that we have now. And he comes with great strategy. This is a part of his core strategy, is to break this down. You've got to break this down. And in particular, self-worth helps, the, helps it to collapse in on itself if self-worth is, is ruined or damaged. And uh, that's why I say this message relates to all of us today. Y'all can smile. It's okay. We're, we're, we're going to get help today. So the scripture tells us in Galatians 6.14, all the law, the entire law 
is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. And if you are self-loathing, if you think low of yourself, you're not, you're not going to be a vibrant uh, addition blessing to the lives around you. Hurt people hurt people. And uh, we can go back and look at this issue of self-worth here. Well, the enemy was able to work against all three and uh, convince, talk them into, and these two things, very, very important here, to question God's integrity and secondly, to act independently. Question God's integrity and act independently. And I don't care if it's an organization, a person, a family, whatever it would be, that when you question God's integrity and you act independently, it's about to go sour. It's about to go way south. And that's what happened for them as he got them to, and think about what happened in Genesis chapter 3. Now, notice that before you sin, how many of you have ever sinned before? Wow, holy crowd. Let's try it again. How many of you have ever sinned before? All right, all right, good. Uh, have you ever noticed that before you sin, that the enemy of your soul says, it's no big deal? And then after you sin, the enemy of your soul says, this is so big, you could never get forgiven. Right? Both are lies. Both of them are lies. Sin ruins whatever it touches. But Jesus came to restore. So when he tells you it's no big deal, it's a lie. It's a lie. And when he says afterwards, this is so big you could never be forgiven, that's a lie as well. And what it's designed to do, again, is to work against all of this. Well, here's the result of this. The result in the garden, they remember, they questioned God's integrity. They acted independently. And then what what happened then? They hid themselves. They hid themselves from God. And so now we have damage to intimacy with God. Then Adam blames Eve. How many of you know that's been a problem ever since when guys go blaming? All right. But she blamed Eve, and now we've got damage to intimacy with others. And then they found themselves, they realized we are naked, and they became afraid. Naked and afraid. Have you all seen that show? I said a few weeks ago, nothing sexy about it, okay? But... And what did they do? We're naked, we're afraid. They began to see themselves differently and they made for themselves clothes out of, out of fig leaves. And all three of these, all three of these begin to collapse and curse enters life when these things are ruined. Um, all of these, however, are restored in Jesus. What Jesus came to do is restored. What, what's this real quick? Man had it all and lost it all. Jesus paid it all and restored it all. Why don't you read this with me? Man had it all and lost it all. Jesus paid it all and restored it all. That, my friends, is the gospel. And thank God for that. So Jesus restored it all. We had it all, lost it all, paid it all, restored it all. But guess what? The enemy is still at it. He is still at it and he's still trying to bombard and eat away at your self-worth, your intimacy with God, your intimacy with others. 
So let's reveal a little bit because part of our victory comes in being aware. Remember that 2 Corinthians 2.11 says that we are not ignorant of his devices lest he take advantage of us. Let me say that a little more clear. If we are aware of his traps and tricks, then he won't be able to take advantage of us. So let's reveal a little bit about our enemy. He is called Satan. He's also throughout scripture referred to as a tempter, a thief, an adversary, a hinderer, an enemy, an accuser. Everybody say accuser. So we're going to talk about that. And a slanderer, among other things. And as an accuser, then he brings charges. He files complaints against you and against I. And some of the charges are real. Some of them are false. And some of them have already been dealt with. It's like a crooked prosecutor in court. And he's raising up charges that are real. Raising up charges that are false. And then trying to bring back up things that have been dealt with. It's almost like billing fraud. You know, some things we should be billed for. Other things it's like, I I shouldn't be billed for that. I, I didn't get that service. And then... Thirdly, is to try to make you pay for something that's already been paid for. So if he is the crooked prosecutor, we have an incredible divine defense attorney in Jesus to help us with this uh, as we overcome the accuser. The accuser typically uses words, thoughts, and ideas. He will try to project and promote thoughts and ideas to you, trigger points in our life. How many of you know the enemy knows what you'll bite on? You know, it's, it's like bait. And, and this is a very important thing. The enemy cannot read your mind. He does not know your thoughts. Only you and God know what's going on in here. Some of y'all should say, wow. Okay. But here's the reality. The enemy does not know your thoughts. Now, your whole life you've played show and tell. You know, he's fished enough times with you to find what you bite on. He knows what upsets you, what depresses you, what gets you off your game. He knows what will tempt you and drag you away. He knows those things through show and tell your whole life. But he does not, he cannot read your mind. Only you and God know the thoughts in your mind. Look, look with me real quick in 1 Corinthians 2.11. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God or the mind of God except the Spirit of God. That passage goes on to say, and God by his Spirit will reveal them to us as children. He reveals those so that we can know what God has in store for us. The takeaway from this, though, is nobody knows your thoughts except you. You know your thoughts. You know your motives. The enemy does not. And then there's plenty of Scripture that shows that God does. So it's just you and God. Now, Further, in John chapter 8, verse 44, it says, He, the enemy, was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. Understand that. So when he lies, he speaks. Let me put it this way. And when he speaks, he lies. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when he speaks and what he speaks are Lies. There's no truth in the accuser. And the accuser is accusing you to yourself. He's accusing you about yourself. 
And what he's trying to do is assault your sense of security, your sense of confidence, your sense of wholeness, your sense of worth, so that he can neutralize you, your gifts, your future, your potential, and to make you feel much, much less about yourself than you should. If he can ruin your self-worth, then you start to feel like I'm less than, I'm other than, I'm just, I'm just ordinary. I don't have any real contribution. And here's part of what, what we end up doing then. We compensate for bad self-worth. We compensate for low self-worth and bad self-image. And sometimes we project ourselves with bravado or per, promiscuity and promiscuity and, and, and different things that we do with our life to overcome that bad, injured self-worth. And the enemy is definitely after that. The enemy loves to use guilt, shame, fear, anger. He likes to bring up your past. He likes to remind you of your failures. He likes to remind you of damage done to you. He likes to remind you of damage done by you and to make you feel unforgiven, unworthy, unaccepted, unqualified, and damage your self-worth. And when your self-worth is damaged, you're less inclined to go after intimacy with God or real closeness with other people. Are you with me so far this morning? Now we move to Revelation chapter 12. We're not going to read there right now, but there's a scene in heaven. And it's almost like a courtroom scene, and the accuser is there before the throne of God, and he's accusing us. And what happens is, the scripture says he is cast down, and he is expelled out of heaven. It goes on to say in Revelation 12, 10, and they, the believers, overcome him. Who? The accuser. They overcome him by two things. The blood of the lamb. Everybody say the blood. The blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. The blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. This is how you overcome the accuser. That means this. The blood of the lamb has to do with the work of the cross. That everything that was accomplished for you and for me at the cross. That we have awareness of that and the power of it. We were singing this morning of the power that is in Jesus' name. And it's not just a name, a cool name, five letters. That's kind of cool. And, and we mark that name as special. It's, the, it's what was accomplished in that name by Jesus for us. There's power in that name. You mention that name, there is power in that name in the spiritual realm. Amen. So how do we overcome the accuser? How do we overcome the one that is assaulting our self-worth? First of all, it is the work of the cross, an awareness of the work of the cross. And then secondly, knowing and speaking of the effects of what was accomplished on the cross in our life. So we have to know what was done for us, and then we have to know the effects of that, and we have to act upon that and speak of that in our life. Listen, the finished work of Jesus, the finished work of Jesus took away the accuser's power to keep accusing us. Now, he still does, but it bears no merit if we understand the truth of the work of the cross. Are you with me? We're going to go a little bit further with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, 17. This means that anyone, say that's me. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Anybody glad about that today? The old life is gone. Well, I still remember it. It's gone. Why is it gone? Because of the work of the cross. Behold, a new life has begun. 
We have new life in him because of what was accomplished on the cross. Look at verse 21. For God made Christ, who never sinned, notice that, to be the offering for to be the offering for our sin. See, we were sinful, we had shame, we had guilt, we had all of that. And he who knew no sin, he'd never sinned, he became the offering for our sin so that what? So that we could be made right with God through Christ, through what was accomplished on the cross, what Jesus has done for us. Are you here? What he has done for us. I have to know that. You have to know that. And you have to live that. You have to think that. You have to talk that because the accuser is constantly working against that. So quickly, I want to share with you four things to help us restore a healthy self-worth or to preserve a healthy uh, self-worth. First one is this, review. Everybody say review. A good teacher will review things with you. You know, you've got a test coming up and they'll give you a review sheet, review with you, and then you go home and you review, you know, at, at night and then the morning of the test you review. What does that mean? You're going over it again to review, to review, to review, to see again, to see again. You've got to keep seeing it again. Keep seeing that you have been forgiven. Everybody say, I have been forgiven. First John 1, 7. Let me ask you again. Anybody here ever sinned? I, I got to get that clear again. Okay. All right. Much better response that time. First John 1, 7 says, The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Not my perfect performance and perfect behavior, but the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, shed for my sins. He knew no sin, but he paid the penalty for my sin. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses me from all sin. So you got to know that you're forgiven. Can I ask you again, anybody over here ever sinned before? Okay. Okay. And this is what the accuser does. But you did that. And you thought that. And you were there. And you did this. And you did that. And you are low and you are dirty. And that's too big and you can never be forgiven. And that's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. You've been forgiven. But beyond forgiveness, why would he forgive me? What are we talking about? We're talking about self-worth. We, he, he forgave us because of how he loves us. He rescued us and restored us because of how he loves us. So I'm not just forgiven, I'm loved. Come on. Say, say I'm loved. I'm loved. You have, you have to review this. You've got to see it again. I'm forgiven. Why am I forgiven? Because of how God loves me. Look at this in Jeremiah 31. The Lord has appeared of old to me, Jeremiah said. And I say to me. Everybody say, that's me. Saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. I, reading this verse, and I got that Bee Gees song stuck in my Anyway, back to this. No, stay here, stay here. Yes, I have loved you with an... This word in the Hebrew actually means this. No vanishing point. No, I can't see the end of it. I've loved you with an everlasting love. That's the kind of love that God loves us with. And look at this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. It's all around us, folks. 
Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. The message paraphrase says they have no job description. Oh, to be a bird. Yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. The message also says they are careless in the care of our heavenly Father. He just takes care of them. Are you not, here's a question, are you not of more value than they? In other words, don't you have greater worth to God than birds? Are y'all trying to look up the answer? (laughs) Aren't you worth more to God than birds? Look how he takes care of birds. He will take care of you. And what we have to do is review this over and over. Lamentations 4.2 says this. You ready for this? You are worth your weight in gold. That's a metaphor. Don't go weigh yourself and go, I'm worth more than you. Don't, don't, be, don't do that. But it's the reality of our worth to God. You've got to review that. You've got to see that again and again. Everybody say review. Next one is this. Repent. Repent. Go ahead and say it. Repent. Repent really means to turn around. And so if you're going in the wrong way, if you're going in the wrong way, to repent means I've got to turn around. I've got to go back the other way. I've got to go back toward God. I had this in my heart this morning early in prayer, and I felt like the Lord put this in my heart to speak out in service, and I didn't know which service, so I'm going to do all three services. (laughs) But there's someone or someones in this service, and and you're headed in the wrong direction, and you know it. And you know it every day that you're headed in the wrong direction. And part of the trap and the trick of the enemy is to let you get away with it a little bit longer. Get away with it a little bit longer. And the Spirit of God who loves you wants to warn you this morning that you are steps away from the worst pain of your life. And he's inviting you this morning to turn around. To turn around on that. And he'll receive you. Stop now. Stop now. But when we repent, we find forgiveness and we find refreshing. Look in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent then and turn around, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And so it removes the shame, removes insecurity. Your confidence before God, before people comes in. It brings a sense of new. It brings a sense of relief. But if you continue in sin, you continue in the wrong direction, it distorts your sense of worth. And it intensifies your insecurity and shame. And that's why we're invited to repent. If you want to restore healthy self-worth or preserve healthy uh, self-worth, review, repent, and here's the next one. Release. Everybody say release. Release. You're going to have to forgive some folks. How many of you know that all your life there there are things that people have said that have hurt you? Things they didn't say that you wish they'd said that hurt you. Things they did or did not do. People all over your life. It's classmates. It's friends. It's brothers and sisters. It's parents, it's authority figures, it's, it's all kinds of people in, their, in your life. Friends you trusted, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whoever. There are people in your life that have hurt you. They've damaged your self-worth. Y'all are acting like uh, you're ignoring me, but I, I know you're there. You ready? 
You've got to release them. You've got to forgive them. Listen to this. The longer you hold on to unforgiveness, the longer you stay hurt. Let them go. Give yourself the gift and let some people go. Amen. In addition to our peers, probably the most formative thing concerning our self-worth are our parents and authority figures. And most of the time, a lot of times, they didn't get it right. And they didn't get it right because their parents didn't get it right. Or authority that they were under didn't get right. And here's four things that you might need to just forgive. Parents and authority figures. First of all, if they were overly, overly critical of you, you could do no right. Or they were overly protective. And you were a little buddy or a little princess forever when you should have gotten spanked. Overly controlling or overly permissive. No boundaries. So when your parents or authority figures were either overly critical or overly protective, overly controlling or overly permissive, chances are you have a damaged self-worth. And the first step is to let them go. Just let them go and say, I forgive you. You might need to take a walk, a bath, or something. I'm not, you know, you know what I'm saying. And just forgive some folks. They need not be present to be forgiven. This is for you. Just say, Mom, I forgive you. Dad, I forgive you. You know, they left, they did this, they did what, they said that. What, whatever happened, I forgive you. That teacher, that coach, I forgive you. That boss, that ex, that boyfriend, that girl, I forgive you. I let them go. I released them. Because until, as, as long as I stay in unforgiveness, then I stay in hurt. And it's time to set yourself free as well. Release, release, release. And then last, last, rehearse. Rehearse. That's to go over it again. To go over it again. To go over again God's love for you. God's help for you. Has he helped anybody here ever? Come on. Has he helped you before? All right. Has he ever helped you? And you certainly didn't deserve his help. And yet he came through and helped you. Come on. Can I, anybody here at all? Don't lie to me. Tell the truth. Has he bailed you out before? You got yourself painted in the corner and, and you thought, I'm, I am sunk. Or you're in a situation, I don't even know how to get out of this situation. Or you got so hurt by somebody or something and you go, I, you know, I'm never going to make it. And you know what? You made it and God came through. You need to rehearse again, rehearse again. God's love for you, God's care for you, his everlasting love, his forgiveness of sins, his mercies that are new every day, every day, every day. And when you live under that kind of good God and awareness of his good God, I'm telling you, and, and that you are worth something to him, in spite of all that you've done and in spite of a liar accuser that keeps throwing all that trash at you, throw it, but I know I'm forgiven. Throw it, but I know that I'm loved. Say that about me, but I know what I'm worth to my creator and to my redeemer, and he loved me enough to seek me back out when I was lost and find me. Amen. Psalm 107. Psalm 107, verse 1 and 2. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. That better be a big part of your life. 
For he is what? He is good. For his mercy endures forever, just like his love. Look at verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord. We already read about that. You are redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. So rehearse it. Talk like it. Act like it. Stay in the light of God's word. Stay in the light of God's people and God's house and God's love. And look at this here. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. Didn't say it's perfect, but it makes sense. And my future is secure. Declare these with me. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. Now, stepping into a healthy, a healthy self-worth is not just emotional. It is emotional, but it's not just emotional. And it's not just intellectual. Listen to me. It is spiritual. It is an act of faith that you step over the line. I'm going to back up. That you believe it. How am I going to believe it? Faith comes by hearing. This morning your faith is stirred because you've heard this. Hear it again and again. Rehearse it and rehearse it and rehearse it. But it's not just emotional. It's not just intellectual. It is spiritual. It is an act of faith that I believe it, that I accept it, that I act on it, that I speak of it. Because of God's love, because of what Jesus has done for you, you don't have to hide any longer. You don't have to pretend any longer. You don't have to compensate any longer. You just need to realize this. You can be you full of God. You are a work in progress. I am a work in progress. And when you just realize that I'm worth so much to God, I'm trying to go in the right direction. He will help me with this. Out of his great love, he's provided everything I need to be whole. And in doing that, I can have a healthy self-worth. It will continue to be assaulted, but I will review and I will repent and I will release and I will rehearse and I will walk in the wholeness of self-worth, intimacy with God, intimacy with others. Amen. Do you get anything at all out of this today? All right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.